Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode 85, for Monday, October 10th, 2016. <music> Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the show by, for, and about working musicians here in Durham, New Hampshire. Between shows, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Los Gatos, California, it's Paul Kent. How goes it today, Paul? Goes pretty good, Dave. I had a big weekend and, uh, you know, I had that show and uh, I want to talk a little bit about about that show where I had to drive audience to it. So I thought we'd, we'd start there. But you actually just did your crazy show, right? Uh, one of them. Yeah, I just finished doing uh, Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, which I started Right after I started dress rehearsals, right after I did this um, show last week and the show finished yesterday afternoon. So I've squeezed an entire run of a show, including dress rehearsals into the uh, into the period of time since we have last chatted. And uh, it was interesting. So you did seven straight days, seven straight days. Yeah. Two dress rehearsals uh, where we basically ran the show, you know, once per night. And then uh, starting Wednesday, it was, you know, open house and and. Uh, you know, ticket holders and all of that good stuff. And, and that was, so Wednesday was opening night and then we did it Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday afternoon and, uh, and then loaded out. How'd you do? It was good. It, this is the first show that I've done where I was on stage. Uh, you know, I like the, the, the sort of the general gist of the show is that Andrew Jackson is, the, his story is told under sort of the umbrella of him being the lead singer of a rock band, kind of. I mean, it that's sort of the gist of what goes on. So therefore, you need to have a rock band. And uh, and so I was the drummer in that rock band, as it turns out. Uh, no great surprise. And so so I was on stage. Um, there were moments of, of interaction with the cast that go far beyond what would sort of normally happen in a musical. Um, and and I was I was worried about that, like. You know, I'm used to being in the pit. Uh, I get to sort of hang out and between songs I can, I mean, I can't really mess around, but I I don't have people staring at me in between songs, you know, when there's dialogue or whatever. You don't have to be on every second. Yeah, exactly. But I also don't get to see the show usually. Um, you know, I hear the show, but a lot of times I don't really understand everything that's going on. But for this one, I had a clear shot of the whole stage and, and, you know, like I said, was there for, I was on stage. Well, other, the band was on stage more than any other person, uh, because we were there a hundred percent of the time. We never left. Uh, so, so it was actually, you know, the downtime didn't feel like downtime at all. I just got to watch the story and I got to watch the people act and there's some funny moments. And the hardest part was, you know, knowing like, especially for, for comedic moments, knowing what's coming and not starting to laugh early. Right. You know, laughing because the audience in theory could could see me. It, it, hopefully they're not watching me. Hopefully they're watching you know the, the other action on stage. But if I start laughing, you know, before the punchline comes, that can ruin yeah. the timing. Right. You know, so so that kind of a thing. I just had to be aware of it. That's all. Uh, but it, the show went very, very quickly. I really enjoyed it because I was on stage um, and. It you know if if anyone else out there ever winds up doing this show, even for a five night run, I would highly recommend 
memorizing as much of the material as you possibly can because there's so much opportunity for interaction. I'm, you know, we were a rock band backing up this cast of people and being able to the last two shows, I was really able to get my head kind of out of the music at at times, not the whole time. I kind of used it still as breadcrumbs, but being able to get my head out of the music and just play like a like a drummer in a rock band was uh, was great. So I, you know, I would, if I had the show to do again, I would, I would definitely, well, now I, now I have most of it memorized anyway. <laughs> so uh, yeah. the band play well? The band played really well. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, cool. our, our bass player is a senior in high school uh, and he was, he was awesome. It's a, it's a kid I'd worked with in rock band club a couple of years ago. Uh, but, um, you know, really, uh, he was a great player and I don't say that. Because he was 17, I just say it because he was a great player and really was able to lock lock in, and we had fun. We Excellent. had a lot of fun. It was good. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, All right now you're on to the next one. Yeah. Well, it was a, one last thing about that. The the because we were on stage, we didn't start the show on stage, and so it was it was um, it was a little nerve wracking because I'm used to five minutes before curtain, I go sit at my drums, I make sure everything's right where it needs to be, you know, everything's good and all that. There's no curtain in this one. The way the play starts is uh, Andrew Jackson comes out on stage, kind of struts around a little bit, whistles, and then all the scenery and all the uh, cast sort of assembles on stage. He asks us if we're ready. We all respond, and then he counts us in, and off we go. And uh, so I had to abandon my drums 30 minutes before I was going to go play them. And then I had you know all of 10 seconds to sit down, Make sure everything, you know, grab my sticks, plug my ears in and go. And um, so that's a little nerve wracking, you know, saying like, did I remember to, you know, <laughs> is my snare on? Is this in the right spot? You know, because it was just like, get on stage and within 30 seconds you're playing. So, it was, you know, it kind of felt like the Beatles running on stage. But uh, there you it, was, go. it was, you know, but but that was part <laughs> of the fun. I mean, it, you know, I it, it was it was nerve wracking, but that, you know, that adds to the the energy level and it. But, you know, and it worked obviously very theater, well for the crowd. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good deal. And then, yeah, this morning before we recorded here, I went and set my drums up uh, at another theater. I never even took them out of my car. And tonight we'll have the first run through. I don't know if we'll call it a dress rehearsal, probably. Of uh, Do these gigs pay? Oh. I've never asked you that. They do. Uh, some of them do. Um, the University of New Hampshire gigs pay fairly well. Um I, I was, yeah, it's, it's not, not bad. Um, especially, you know, dollars per hour, it works out pretty well. Some of the kind of local theater things that I do like bitter pill isn't going to pay. I mean, it'll, it'll be fine, but it'll be quite a bit. I'll get less for a three week run of bitter pill than I will for the one week run of, um, of bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, I don't, I don't, as we've talked about, I don't do this stuff for the money, but there are people involved in all of these productions that do. And, and, um, you know, like our guitar player had to cancel basically a week's worth of lessons to be able to do this show. And, um, and, you know, money wise, it was worth it to him to do that. It would not be worth it to him to do, you know, a show like bitter pill. Um, but I'm looking forward to that one. That one's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I'll have, I'm sure I'll have interesting things to say about it <laughs> as we pull it together. Right. Yeah. 
but it's fun. So I got a bunch of stuff to share with you. Okay. So yeah. one is, you know, like last week, remember I, I was talking about that one acoustic gig that gave me two weeks cancellation. I do. And I said I was going to pursue it. And, and uh, so um, I, I sent a nice note and I got a strange note back from the owner of the restaurant saying, well, you know, that deal was negotiated with my partner and he's gone now. It wasn't me who negotiated it. So it was just kind of like, I'm not willing to assume the liabilities. And so, you know, I had you ringing in my ear about, should I take this as an opportunity to, but I, you know, it was just so, you know, I won't play for this guy because I won't trust him in the future. Well, that's, that's it. it. So I, you, yeah. you were saying about, yeah. you were saying about giving a hug and you know, that type of thing. However, that's well, stupid a response. Um, well, that's the thing you you have to, this could likely happen. Yeah. You have to feel like giving him a hug will lead to that trust relationship we talked about. And with a reply like that, uh, that's tough, man. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So that one is gone, but that club in my town that we've played at for years that that installed the couches and all that type of stuff. Yeah. They called and they're going to take the couches out and they want the bands back. Hey, but well, yeah, good. So there's a win, but here's the funny thing. So, I was originally offered to come back on Saturday nights, same financial deal. Good, good, good. But he wants the gig to be I, actually the way it worked was, as I said, well, I'll come back on Saturday nights, but we need to have a discussion because we've had a couple of times where during our gig, we'll get word that you sold bottle service for the, the DJ set and you want us to be torn down and off 20 minutes after we're done. Yeah. And that just causes a lot of stress and can't be done. So can we you know, agree to what your parameters are around this bottle service selling and you know what the times are going to be. And he said, well, I'm glad you asked that because we're actually going to deal with it this way. We want the bands to play six to nine. <laughs> and I was like, mm. so a, I don't think anybody's going to come at six o'clock. Yeah. Um, it's the dinner hour. That's not, you know, that's not a night out starts at six o'clock. You don't serve food. So there's that everything. And then I don't feel comfortable charging a $10 cover for two hours and so I, I don't think that six to nine is going to work. So we went back and forth and we settled on a seven to 10 on Friday nights, which we've never done Friday nights before, but I feel way better about seven to 10 and I feel that I, it, much better than six to nine. So we're going to go back in there starting in December and we should be off on another run there. That's good. Yeah. We, so that's that. We had yeah. the same kind of, uh, I mentioned that club here that there was that one night that they were trying to get us to go from seven to 10 to five to eight because they wanted to squeeze a show in later. And, and we decided, right, yeah, right. same decision. Nope. Let's just do a different night. It's, it's going to be okay. You know? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you lose one, you get one. That's, that's pretty cool. And then I wanted to talk about this gig that we had on Saturday night. It's a gig I've been talking about on the show for the last couple of weeks where it was a new club for us a little bit, farther logistically that our core audience, you know, would come. It, it was questionable how many of them would come. We did quite a bit of marketing and we used some Facebook marketing to get there. And I think what I shared last week was a hundred was pass fail. 200 people coming is a home run and 300 people coming is out of the park. Well, we drew 93 people. So close okay. to pass fail. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. So, you know, I think for many bands, 93 people would be a pretty good draw, you know, stone cold in a new club. Um, I was a little disappointed. You know, I was hoping for 125 to 150 as, as good performance. So we we're a little bit below that. And the the things that I learned are um, there's still a lot of learning to be done about marketing. And, and I, I do want to kind of close this loop about our face or maybe open the loop again about our, our discussion about Facebook marketing. And I would say this. For the hundred dollars I spent, I didn't get a hundred. I didn't get a hundred dollars ROI, and I'm right now questioning 
whether Facebook advertising to drive actual attendance at an event, a one-time thing. And I kind of go back again, you with the advertising background, advertising as kind of a constant keep my brand in your mind activity yes. is one type of thing. But when you need when you need an ad to cover its cost directly and is measurable that, right? It's um, really I, hard I, to get an ad to cover its costs with a one-time thing. I, I, it can happen, but man, you got to you really are banking on lightning in a bottle. Like that you are advertising exactly the right thing, exactly the right way to exactly the right people. And there's there's sure. just no way to know that going in. It, that's it's really hard to to do that. And we and I'm, I mean, you know, having been in the industry for as long as I have, we run into it all the time where people say, "I want that." You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, me too. Well, that's what I'm saying. For <laughs> to do an event to to actually get success in an event. And here's the thing: I have another one of those coming up in two weeks. And um, same problem, another new club where we have some draw locally, some awareness locally. You know, my base, my draw is still about 25, 30 minutes away. And I'm not going to get overwhelmingly like, you know, this club in my town, we do 200 people pretty consistently. Sure. Boom. Sure. For this gig that we just did last weekend of the 93, I'd say 65 to 70 percent of them were were, you know, from our local draw. You know, people kind of follow us around. So what's that? Uh, 60 people. Yep. Um, uh, 20% might've been, or, or 25% might've been um, local walk-in, you know, that this is the local watering spot in town and this is where you go. And then, you know, a, a little bit of the rest would be friends asking friends, you know, or, or efforts of the band or something like that. So I, I, I don't, I couldn't identify anything directly that, was probably from was probably from this advertising effort. So I question for an event to drive people to a one-off thing, you know, the, the tactics and strategies around that. And it's interesting because the guy who booked that gig, he, um, the buzzword to get the gig with this guy is if you commit that your band will do a phone tree. You know, he says it's a lost art, it's old school, but nothing works better than direct contact and asking other people to make a call on behalf of you. That's kind of hard to do with grownups. You know, when you're kids, you can probably get that going. But, you know, to expect adults to make a phone call on your behalf and tell other people to make a phone call on your behalf and starting like that is hard. But I would say that a lot of the of those our local draw were because I reached out not by phone, but uh, but uh, with a Facebook direct message. And sure. Said, this is happening. what's going on. Yeah. And so, I, I think anyway, that's that's sort of the that's that's sort of the the new style of of phone tree, right? Is the the texting tree, but um, yeah, but yeah, it's a lot to ask, and and you know, especially right now in the U.S. here, where there's a zillion phone trees happening for people trying to you know drum up yeah. last, last minute slash last month support for you know their candidate du jour. So. Um, so yeah, we're already sick of those noise. phone calls. Yeah, yeah. Sig- signal to noise level is very high. Right it's now. just very hot. Yeah, it's just sort of a, the nature of the beast. But yeah, yeah, huh? So, huh. but ninety three, the 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 venue did enough. Uh, rest- it's a restaurant as well. Re- enough restaurant business off our crowd, and they really liked the band, and so you know they offered us another date, which is a good thing. But um, uh, I'm for it. Some of the guys were like, uh, you know, is this what the payday is going to be? And, you know, is this the amount of work and all this type of stuff? 
Um, it's a good room with a good sound system. It's not, you know, like I said, it's only 20 minutes away from where I live, you know, maybe right. 40 minutes away from some of the other guys. But um, I would like to actually use this. I think rolling up our sleeves and building audiences in other neighborhoods is a really important thing. That's a good as idea. A, as a cover band. Yeah. Oh, no, because you've already you, – what you've done is you've proven that you can do it in your local area, right? And and, and, and we've granted, done it in one other area as well. Okay, I was going to say because it's easy – the easiest area is your local area because theoretically you know more people there than you would anywhere else. Yeah. But um, – but, you know, doing it in other places, that's how you do it. I mean, you know, when I was on the road with the Clambake, that's how it worked. You know, we did we actually did the same basic circuit almost three times. Right. In the in the amount of time that I was on the road with them. And it was, you know, and it was college towns and it was all very well thought out. But it was exactly that. It was like the first time we would get there and we'd go on the radio and, you know, find the college radio station. We'd have them play a song. We'd do something, anything we could to drum up business to come to the the gig. And then everybody that was there, we made sure to tell them, like, you know, tell your friends we're going to be back right here in six weeks or whatever it was. And, um, you know, it worked. It People came back. Well, I'll, I, let me let me comment on that. So. There's a difference now, right? When you're an original band fighting for survival, your willingness to do those things are higher. Like I, totally. I think I shared, we got asked, we got asked to come on um, a radio station that serves that area, and then, you know, a bunch of my guys were like, "Oh, that's a half day off of work." And you know, right, I right. get it, totally but, different, but thing. it's a yeah. different thing, totally. Yeah. So, but, so but it's it's, it's not a different thing. I mean, <laughs> it's it's a different scenario for the musicians but it's the same scenario for the crowd right if you want to draw up a crowd you just like you said you need to roll up your sleeves and just persistence stay at it don't give up yes. after once that and that's where it's the well, same yeah that's what my point is is actually is that the problem is the same and the, <laughs> and the tactics for solving the problem are the same whether you whether you have the patience time money resources to deploy those tactics is really that's you know, the defines difference. your situation that's right yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, my my preference is to stick with it. I like the room. The local people are really nice. They seem to like the band quite a bit. You know, I think we can improve on the number of local people who are going to go over there and give us a good foundation. But I think we can build something. And we did this in one other town. There's a couple of guys in my band who don't quite remember. But when we started playing, you know, and it's actually in that town, when you sat in with us, it's, it was not far from that place there. Okay. But, you know, when we started playing there, it was it was okay. But now we fill the place you know, when we're there six, six, seven times a year. Um, but it took a while to get to that, you know, and, you know, having a good product, of course, is, is important and playing your butt off every time you're up there. But I believe it can be done. I think it's important for a band to do that. Otherwise you rest on your laurels, you get lazy, you start playing these yep. silly games as to the risk versus reward or the hassle factor. You know, you, I have little patience for the concept that, um, you know, again, this is 20 minutes away. Hassle factor. There's no hassle factor with playing 20 minutes no, away. No, but you, so, I, I but like you gotta, your term. you got to keep your band focused on it. I like your term hassle factor because that is a very real thing, especially in this scenario. You know, we're in the, I'm going to say we're in the 30 plus age range, um, which I, I, I think is fair for, for both of us. Right, Paul? Um, but y yep. you know, certainly very, fair. very more <laughs> fair for some than others. That's right. <laughs> uh, but no, you know, when you have like, you're not just in a band and totally 
committed and that's your main thing. Like when we were on the road with the Clambake, obviously it was like, this is what we do. And even like bands that I was in in college, I mean, yeah, I was going to college and doing other stuff, but like the band was this very, very high priority thing. And, and you, you could convince yourself to sacrifice other things in your life for, for that on a regular basis. You start having, you know, a, you know, more stable job and, and perhaps family and, and all that other stuff. It's really easy to use that hassle factor to talk yourself out of doing something that's risky. You know, it's really easy to say, oh, you know, well, we don't really have a crowd over there. It's 20 minutes away or whatever. It's kind of a, you don't say it's 20 minutes away. You say it's a far drive, you know, uh, probably not a good idea. I don't think we're going to get anybody, you know, that kind of thing. And I know for me, I have to be very conscious of, you know, kind of watching what excuses come out of my mouth for why I wouldn't want to take a gig. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. You're just, you know, no, 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 no. These aren't real excuses. You're just making this stuff up. <laughs> I mean, they're real, well, this is but the they're thing. not important. I feel this. Yeah. That's right. I, well, I feel this. Like in most things in life, if you're not moving ahead, if you're staying still, you're probably going to wither. Yeah. And so I think a band that's, you know, my strategy with my band is to make it important to people, you know, to have an audience, not just be, you know, a collective of musical tools for hire for whatever situation you have. Right. We, we mean something. We stand for something. We promise something when you come see us play. And, you know, this is the basis of what we have. I am a fairly competitive guy by nature. And, um, you know, I would like to think that we've spent all this time building this great band, that it will succeed if we apply our trade well, and you know, again, the trade is wider than just playing great. It is having your act together, having your posters together, yeah, having the, your having stuff. your marketing machine, all the stuff that goes along with it. And so, I I feel very firmly that when those when those words of of um, resting on your laurels start coming out of people's mouth, that is a huge warning bell that goes off. Yep. That is not healthy for your band because again, if you just wait. You know, you want to sit home and you'd rather not play because, you know, here's a bunch of things that happen. Like, again, we just played in our area a ton all summer long, overexposed, possibly. Sure. So now we want to keep working because if you don't keep working, a bunch of bad things happen. One, the guys in your band who want to play more or depend on their income for it will look for other ways to fill that space and maybe not be available to you. Of course. Right. And that's that's a very risky thing to me. And three, if your band is, you know, constantly changing cast of characters based upon who's available because you can't guarantee any kind of any specific work, the quality of your product will suffer when you play and your audience won't know who the heck they're going to see when they show up to see you. Right. right? Oh, no, you got it. No, you have to keep. Yeah, you've got to keep it happening. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta yeah. Keep moving forward. All right. So I, along this line, I have a question to ask, because this is something I think every band uh, deals with. And it's right along these lines and it's managing availability of all the people in the band specifically so that the person booking the gigs knows what dates they have to, to say yes to. Right. And, and there's a lot of different ways uh, that it can be done, especially for a band where you're not just like I, my, my guess, and I'd love to hear from you about this. My guess is with your band, you pretty much assume, especially for the summer months, that everyone is available every weekend, except maybe one that you all agree to take off. Is that, is that a fair representation of how you do it? Yeah, I'll actually expand upon that a little bit. Okay. Um, so um, 
I've earned this with my band by providing them a certain amount of work. For a long time, sure. when we began, even though I expected it, it didn't always happen. I hate subs. Again, that same comment. I want to ensure the quality of the experience people will come to see us. Plus, people come it, to see it, us. Folks, I just want to point out, it, it only took, uh, what, about six weeks from, from me playing with Paul to tell me that uh, that he hated having subs. So I just wanted to point that there out. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, uh, but also, people, you know, they get their favorites in the band. There are people who love trombones, and they want to see our trombone player, right? right. And so it's that type of thing. So I got to the point where because I booked enough gigs, I could expect the House Rockers to be first call. The expectation out there is that it's up is that, you know, the House Rockers are going to are going to play. You need to keep your availability. If something comes up, it's up to you to tell me. Um, Don't don't wait for me to offer a gig for you to say, oh, by the way, I can't take that. That's not cool. Okay, And that's what that's what would put in motion. Like if I'm not first call for you. Don't expect you to be first call for me. Sure. And so we ha- and we haven't we haven't had that kind of conversation in a long time. But yes, I expect people to hold their dates open for me. If some of the guys in the band who uh, this is their living, if they get offered something that's a ton more money than what we do, um, I will be somewhat understanding about it. But um, yeah, managing okay. availability to me is the assumption that we are that this band has earned the right that it's everybody's first call, all hands on deck. The good thing is, especially for our summer stuff. I'm booking stuff six months out consistently. Sure. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, so that's, that's one, that's one way of doing it is just saying, okay, here's the deal. I need to, you, you have to tell me before I, if a gig comes in and you haven't told me that you are not available that day, I am assuming that you are available. You are. Okay. So, and, and that's that there's nothing wrong with that. That's one way of doing it. Um, the uh, another way is when the phone call comes in for the gigs or the email comes in or whatever that is, then the you know the person who's booking the gigs reaches out to the band members and there's some expectation of you know you're going to get back within you know hopefully 24 hours. Really, it should be about two. Um, but that yep. that and I've done that um, with with a lot of bands that I'm in. Uh, that's how it's always been. Like, hey, I got offered this date. Can we do it? And it, for clubs that can wait to get that answer, that's great. But some places won't wait, especially booking agents. You know, they they carve out their Tuesday afternoon and they're like, all right, I'm going to book that club for three months right now. And they start, you know, either sending out emails or phone calls or whatever. And 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 if you're if you if you miss the window, if Tuesday afternoon comes and goes and you don't you're not able to respond, it's you don't get any gigs. So. Um, so I'm really curious, like how people in fling, um, the, the, the band is, is a priority, but we also are fine with people taking a vacation and this, that, and the other thing. So, uh, recently what I did, and, and this was actually the result of, uh, me not being available to play some monkey fist gigs this summer. Uh, John, uh, was doing, uh, he would, he would get a call from booking agents. And, and he would just book the gigs and then he, then he offers them out. That's how he does it. And he knows that if he can't get the people he wants, he'll, he'll find backups. He's okay with subs, especially for monkey fist. If he, if he has to. So, um, mm-hmm. so, you know, he called me and he's like, oh yeah, I just took a bunch of dates. Here they are. I'm like, oh dude, I wish you would. I wish I had known like, you know, two of those three, I can't do. 
And he's like, oh, that sucks because they offered me everything. And I just randomly picked these based on, you know, what was in my calendar. And I thought, okay, so you need to know my calendar ahead of time. And so I just started a little Google Doc that lists all my available dates for the, the basically between now and December of 2017. And it's a little bit of a pain in the neck to manage that along with my normal calendar. But I can't really give him access to my normal calendar not that there's anything on there I wouldn't want him seeing or I mean, it, I could easily give him like free busy access to my normal calendar on, you know, online. But there's some things like yeah. that show up on my calendar that are, you know, if, if like my daughter has a theater show, you know, she might have five performances. I certainly want to go to one of them, but I don't need to go to all of them. And yet it still blocks out my calendar just because of how we manage things here. So he would never know that, you know, it, so it, it's got to be this intentional thing for me. But I would love to hear if other people have better answers for how to keep track of that stuff. Like when someone tells you what dates they're available or not available, do you mark that on your calendar? Is that how you do it? Yeah. So I just mark the gig and just say, you know, that so-and-so needs a sub or something like that. And, yeah. or, and actually the guys, and it's only the horns who sub. I, I can't sub my rhythm section. Sure. And so, but I will say this. Um, the expectation is that uh, less than 30 days, I would ask. So if a gig comes up and someone says, hey, free Friday night and people aren't available, I wouldn't I wouldn't lose my mind over, over that. So I like that. It's kind of that 30 day. Yeah. So, you know, within 30 days, take whatever you want. Um, and I will ask within 30 days. I'll also ask if it's kind of an unusual gig, <coughs> unusual meaning, um, like it might not exactly match up to the pay scale that, and that's another thing that we establish is sure. like within, within a certain amount of, of miles, you know, guaranteed pay is this, uh, basically that means I don't have to ask if guaranteed, pay, you know, so right. if, it, if it meets our pay scale, I just send out a note saying gig booked. Um, but if it doesn't, or if it's any kind of an unusual situation, a house party, uh, something that a friend or family has asked us to do. And so I'm going to discount the price for some reason, I'll offer it to the guys first and, and see what they are. But again, ninety percent of what I book happens way more than three months in advance, and so you know there's plenty of time. Um, and the guys appreciate having a calendar, you know, booked up that far in advance. So, oh, of course, um, oh yeah. Well, and that makes but, that but managing no. their lives easier too. If they know, yeah, right. If they know today that they've got a gig on July 10th, uh, that's pretty good notice. You know, <laughs> like that's not. I do get the odd thing. That, you know, I'll say, all right, guys, here's this, like by, let's say, I'm pretty much done booking our summer by April 1st. And I'll put up a note and says, all right, and, and they'll get all the notices, you know, sure. between now and April 1st. And what's booked on April 1st. All right, guys, the summer schedule is pretty locked. Um, note, here's where we are. Note, here's a couple of weekends that I've designated as off. You know, I'm not going to book these weekends. And uh, if you want to take vacation, that's not a bad time to do that in the summer. Oddly enough. Some people do follow along with that, but oddly enough, I'll still get the weird thing like, hey, um, I'm going to go out of town. You know, can I get a sub for this gig? And I'm sure. like, what? why didn't you plan it? Right. So, you know, it's not a perfect science. No, it's but, not. Um, and people are dealing with, you know, family members and vacation and their vacation schedules. I mean, it's 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 hard to get that right. Um, but yeah, with, with enough notice, it hopefully makes it easier. All right. That's cool. Well, yeah. I would say I, this is my last thought on this. It, it really comes down to, especially like with the horn section, it took a lot of years with my horn section to make them understand they're part of a band. And they're not just right. guns for hire. Right. There's a huge distinction upon that. 
And every once in a while, I'll still get an odd request for a sub. And I'll be like, this gig's been on the calendar for a while. And um, it's like old habits die hard. By and large, there's no problem at all. Everybody's cool, everything like that. But again, my rhythm section would never even think about it. Um, and the only reason, like, we brought you out for those gigs is, you know, Joe has a standing thing. It was a weekend full of gigs, a lot of money for the other guys. Right. And so, you know, it just made sense to do that. But just, you know, a club date or something like that, if, if Nick couldn't make it or Steve couldn't make it, I wouldn't sub. I wouldn't sub my rhythm section. Again, because my brand is all about a guarantee to the people who come see us that when you come see us, you'll see the guys that you have enjoyed listening to. And, you know, it's not just, hey, we're the music for tonight, whoever we may be. Right. I feel very strongly that that's a brand. That's oh, a totally. Oh, no. We yeah, yeah. And we've had this conversation. Yeah, we we don't we feel the same way in, in fling it's there's, you know, it's the five of us or it's not fling. And that's just how it goes. There you go. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes, you know, there'll be a gig that's put together as, you know, kind of a hodgepodge because the scenario, like there's a gig coming up that, that quote unquote fling is playing that I can't do because of this theater gig. And, um, and, you know, initially it's a bit, it's a, it's a party. It's a party in a nice club that, you know, people, they've rented out the space. It's a birthday party for somebody who, I don't know, has thrown himself a birthday party, whatever it is. And, um, and so they, you know, they've got, Russ actually did a great thing. He didn't just find another drummer. He found another drummer and a bunch of other local like singers and guitar players. And so he's just going to make it not an open jam, but a, you know, it, there, no one there is going to say, oh, so that's fling. You know, it's going to be pretty obvious that even to a casual observer that this is just a party. And here's all these people that know this guy uh, uh, whose birthday it is. And they all happen to play music. And so they're playing music for this guy. And then and then I think the last set or the last six tunes or whatever, they're going to have um, Terry, whose birthday it is, come up and sing some of the songs or, you know, whatever. It's, uh -huh. it's just a party. So yeah. it's like, yeah, fling took a gig. But not as fling, if if that's you know a um, if that's the right way to put it. So yeah, but that's the deal. But that's yeah. the that's, that's cool. the deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just you know, and that's how it works. So you can tell I get kind of amped up about this availability thing because it's it's part and parcel to the way I do my business. No, right? I, is, I know, and and I'm what I'm curious to hear is how people. Um, frankly, how people in my shoes deal with it, uh, because it, you're I mean, the scenario you've created is quite a bit different than I would say the majority of just working bands out there, um, you, you know, where you've got you've got, you know, 30 dates, 10 dates a month kind of throughout the summer. And and that's a that's a different sort of pace. And And like you said, you've earned the right to just hold those dates and say, yeah, man, this is what this band does. And you've, you've been in this band. So, you know, or, you know, that kind of thing. But yep. yeah, I'm curious if anybody's got a better. Well, system. I, I also lay that expect. I also lay that expectation out on the rare occasions when we have to bring a new guy in the band. We tell them yeah. this, this is a thing. This is a commitment. It's a commitment. Yeah. And that, and that's fine. I mean, that's great. Hopefully that's part of the reason that person is interested in joining the band. Right. It's that, that kind of thing. But yeah, I'm curious if anybody's got a better system for managing kind of the, the, the variable calendars of multiple people uh, just to, you know, just to know who, what dates do you have to book and, and how do you keep that straight? Because I would, I would love to solve that problem. And, uh, and I haven't come up with, you know, the perfect solution <coughs> yet. So see how it goes. Why not just create a, a shared calendar that people can just post their availability to? Yeah, we could do that. That's, that, that's totally doable. Yeah. 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 
it's um that's one way sure we've tried that it yeah, i don't know it didn't it didn't stick but um it didn't stick for the same thing as the as the uh, slack conversation where there's just kind of some people are less technically adept than others or feel comfortable with that i think i think that was the case back then with the calendar thing i mean it's been a while um I, you know the problem is it's a it, it's a it requires effort right you, you can't as I said, there's no way to just say, here's my calendar, you figure it out. Because there's too much there's too much nebulous sort of things listed on the calendar to to know for sure yeah. how to interpret what someone else how someone else manages their life. So it it does. It takes individual effort to say, okay, here's this thing. Like this morning, something came up for the family in March or whatever, and it was like, All right, oh yeah, I gotta remember, you know, pull that date off of my availability calendar. And uh, you know, I don't how how long am I gonna Am I going to be able to get that in my, into my habit? You know, I only created this a week ago, so I just got to see how it works. But I'm curious what other people do. Well, you might spend it this way. It, it's kind of the leader's impetus to create the framework for this, right? Because right. it, it's his right. problem. It's his problem if, if uh, he wants to book something and he doesn't have any musicians to, to fill it with. So I think of the many tools, you know, online, phone calls, send me a text message. You know, it's a communication problem at the end of the day. And yeah. so whatever, you know... But, but there I needs would, to be a clear expectation. I would like all the leaders with whom I work, and there aren't that many, there's you know basically two, to be able to know when I'm available without having to stop and ask me. Um and I and but for me, I'm willing to put in the work to get that done. At least I think I am, you know, and I'm 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 yeah. fairly confident of that. But but you know, you need everybody sort of on the same system, like you said, in order for that to work. So we'll see. All right. Well, Good stuff. Dude, there's, well, there's good stuff. There's two things. We got to get to them sooner or later. We both watched the Beatles documentary, and I'm halfway through the Bruce Springsteen autobiography. We've got to spend some time talking about these things because right, there's we'll put, so many great lessons. I agree. You know, the, the, this is, these are our mentors, right? These right. are, you know, the models that – this is why we have instruments in our hand because our mentors have inspired us. And these stories that are out now are just fantastic. I agree. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm going to make sure we put those on the top of our list for the next one. I think we've got an interview coming up next week, but, uh, and if we do, it should be a really fun one, but, uh, but if not, that's what we'll start with next week and, uh, and we'll take it from right. there. Folks. Thanks so much for listening. Find us on Facebook. Go to, uh, go to giggabpodcast.com slash Facebook. And that will bring you to our great new Facebook group where, uh, so many of us are having nice little chats Good and chatter. Oh, it's great. I love it. And we'll see you next week. See you, Dave. See you, Paul. Always be performing, folks.